Hey guys, Small Line on the Outside is a TV show podcast where we talk about a different TV show per podcast season. So if you've ever gone into our past, into our history, into our archives, if you will, you've noticed all the different TV shows that we talk about. So we've talked a lot about Doctor Who, about Sherlock, but we've also talked about 24, 24 Live Another Day, The X-Files, and now Smallville. And guess what? I have a plan for the future. I'm not going to tell you about it, though, because I want to keep it a surprise. You'll just have to wait and see. So make sure that you subscribe to this podcast, like it, review it, tell your friends about it, because the next show we talk about might be your favorite. Hey, what's up, and welcome back to Smaller on the Outside, or as I would like to call it, SotoCast, the first, the best, and the only Smallville podcast that you just can't miss. My name is Dave, and I will be the hero for you today. And while I normally have a co-host with me, this season is a one-man show as we're covering Smallville. That's right, everyone. Mono, e, mono, just you and me. Last week, we took a look at the sixth season of the show, which some might call the one with the Phantom Zone. But I think a lot of people can agree that it had some stinkers as far as episodes go, for the most part. And I think season seven had some redeeming qualities as far as episodes were somewhat memorable again. But this time, the overall seasonal arc was weak, if anything. It's like they're trying to find a good middle ground between important episodes and seasonal arcs because every time the seasonal arc in Smallville is great, it has less and less important episodes and more filler. I don't know if that's a showrunner problem or not, but we'll see since Season 7 is actually the last season with Alfred Goh and Miles Miller. I don't know if it's Goh or Goh. It's one of the two. Um, so this is the last season while with them as showrunners, but we'll get into the individual storylines that are found in Season 7 in just a hot second. First, let's hear a word from our sponsors. Take it away, me! Welcome back! So, what kind of overall story does Season 7 focus on? Honestly, not a lot, at least not until the latter half of the season when it looks at Veritas, the secret society built by Virgil Swan, the Queens, the Teagues, and Lionel Luther, and Lex's final episodes in the show as he gets further and further towards his ultimate destiny of being a villain that actually poses as a massive threat to the world instead of just being a douche to everyone around him, as he has been the last couple of seasons. The first half of the season, on the other hand, dealt a lot with Supergirl and her role in the show, which honestly isn't much of anything. She was originally sent to Smallville to look over Baby Clark and help him lead him to this destiny, but when she finds out that he's already a full-grown man, her plans are set back quite a bit. And I mean, she finds out that he can't fly still, so she has a little bit to discuss with him, but... She even tries to help him fly, but Clark isn't ready yet, so her role as a whole is secondary, uh, which is really sad for a character, unfortunately. I mean, I do call this season the one with Supergirl, or the one with Veritas, or maybe it's the last one with Lex, but overall I would call it the one with Supergirl since she's a character that everyone interacts with in the season, which is, is what it is. But anyways, let's break down the season character by character. Now, this season starts out right for Clark. Throughout the sixth season, Clark says he's going to finish training with Jarrell, but has to deal with the scattered phantoms that he set free in the beginning of the season. So, when he's finished dealing with the last phantom, Bizarro, he actually said he's planning on finishing his training, which means he hasn't forgotten what he said before, which is great. 
but distracted heavy Clark never actually gets around to it because he meets Kara. Then he sees Brainiac still alive. He has to deal with him when he comes back, and and then Lionel dies, and he has to deal with that. And he has there's just so much going on, and he's just too busy going around saving people and making sure crap doesn't hit the proverbial fan. He just never gets back to uh, training with Jarrell, and he may never get around to it since the end of the season has the fortress dying. Hmm. Lex had probably his strongest personality focus of any of the seasons here, as it's his final time on the show as a series regular and doesn't even show up on the show again until the series finale in season 10. He starts out where he left off as a douche, then slowly gets more and more evil as the season progresses. He goes from killing a guy last season, that was more of manslaughter than murder though, as it was kind of in the heat of the moment. Uh, and throughout this season, he continues on his murdering spree. Most of his murders are done by hitmen, but the main one that changed him from a general bad guy to absolutely evil is killing Lionel in cold blood. You may say, well, well Lionel killed his own parents, and he was eventually redeemable, which is kind of arguable, but how does this differ? Well, if you were paying attention, he had Morgan Edge kill his parents, so he had a hitman do it for him, which Lex has been doing earlier in the season when he was a general bad guy. But killing his own father by his own hands is something a little bit deeper, and that's when Lex turns into a villain. The rest of the season deals with Lex getting further and further and further, discovering the truth about Veritas, about Clark, and how to control Clark as a whole, and it ends with him destroying the Fortress of Solitude, and that's like the last time you see him too, which, you know, we'll talk about later. Lionel was uh, only in the first half of the season before he's killed, but I would say his importance was primarily focused on his role in Veritas and how he killed every member of Veritas to keep the truth about the Traveler to himself, and how when Jarrell took over his body, it changed him on a different level and found it an honor to protect Clark instead of control him and to find out more about him. So. I think in the end, you're supposed to believe that Lionel turned into a good guy, even though he did questionable things, still lied and whatever. It, He was always a questionable character, but I think you're supposed to believe that in the end, he was doing good. Now, I don't even want to talk about Lana anymore, but here we are. Lana's role this season was at least slightly interesting. After faking her own death, she returned to Smallville to date Clark again. And while she did this, she had a dual personality. She created the ISIS Foundation to spy on Lex and even Lionel since she had a personal vendetta against them. This is important because of what ISIS means as a whole in the series. She's later attacked by Brainiac, sent into a coma for half a season, and when she woke up, she decided to just up and leave the show. She's not gone forever, not yet, but she's not a series regular anymore. Heck, I don't know, you might even only see her once more. I don't recall particularly. Uh, it might be a Pete kind of thing, but she's gone for now, and when she returns, you'll see how they permanently makes her talk it, toxic to Clark to the point where they can't even be in the same room together. Because for God's sake, she's dragging him down at this point. Now, for Chloe, she's pretty much non-existent at this point. 
She's important to the point of basically being the computer helper in Clark's ear, but she barely even feels like Chloe. She won't write about meteor freaks. She only writes about stupid, almost non-newsworthy articles and only helps out when needed. She really doesn't have any main storylines other than the fact that she's a meteor freak. I guess that's focused on a little, but not as much as it should be. Anytime that it is, she hates it. She wants to be healed from this terrible thing. You'd think after being around someone who saves people f with their abilities every day, she'd love to be in that inner circle, but nope. Meteor freaks die, get sent to Belle Reve, and get experimented on like rats, and she wants no part of that. Fine, I get it, but anytime you see her use her abilities, it makes her that much more interesting of a character. I just wish she was focused on more. Blink and you'll miss Lois here, because she's still a main character. Sure. Kind of working at the Daily Planet at this point. Sure. But she really has absolutely no real storylines to speak of. It's weird how they claim she's a main character. Because, I mean, what's the point? So, Martha Kent is no longer on the show. At least not as a main character. I could be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure she's not even in this season at all. Instead, we have Kara and Jimmy as main characters. Kara has a little bit of a main arc, as I mentioned before, but it's barely there. Jimmy as a main character doesn't really make sense at all. The only arc that they even remotely try to focus on is him being a spy for Lex or the government or something. And any Jimmy-centric episodes are just so weird as a whole for Smallville. Plus, they have so little, so very little to do with the season as a whole. I almost feel like they put him in there as a main character because... He was second in line when Martha left, and they just needed to fill a spot to make the theme song work. I don't know. I don't know. But apart from the season in question storylines, there's also a handful of what I like to call series landmark episodes, so let's look at those. And there's not very many. The first season uh, series landmark episode is Bizarro. Obviously, it's landmark because it has Bizarro, which is a pretty decently sized bad guy in the Superman uh, universe in the comics and everything like that. So introducing him as a whole is uh, important. That's all I re really say about that. Siren is episode 11. That's a landmark episode because it introduces you to uh, Black Canary. Uh, you wouldn't really think that's much of a landmark episode, but she does show up throughout the series uh, in Justice League-like episodes, which makes her important to the show. Uh, and plus, she's important to, if, if you know her character, because she shows up in Arrow, in uh, Legends of Tomorrow, The Flash, and all those types of shows that are on right now. You know her better in those episodes than you do in Smallville. Uh, but her role in the show is pretty important, so I would still say this is landmark. Descent is episode 16. This is landmark because it's uh, Lionel's final sh episode on the show. It's not his final episode, I should say, but it's his final role as actual Lionel, and it's also Lex's descent into actual villain Lex Luthor, which is absolutely important. I forgot to ep uh, mention episode 8. Episode 8 is called Blue. This is uh, an episode with blue kryptonite, and every time that they uh, introduce a different kind of kryptonite, I do consider that landmark because it could affect Clark at any point in the series, uh, as well as as a whole, as a character of Superman. It could 
you know, could just affect him. So that's important just because of Blue Kryptonite. Um, other than that, there's only one more episode that's landmark. I consider it Arctic. Arctic is the episode where Lex discovers uh, Clark's secret, which is important because anybody that discovers his secret is important in the long run, even though it's kind of Lex's final episode. It's it's not since he does show up later uh, in a different capacity, but it is what it is. Um, so that's also landmark. But let's go ahead and talk about each individual episode and what goes on and why uh, why they're important or not important. So let's talk about that. The first episode of Season 7 is called Bizarro. I call this one the one with Bizarro Part 2. Uh, I considered the finale of the last season the one with Bizarro because you do specifically remember that episode because Bizarro shows up. But you also remember this episode for basically the same reason. Bizarro is the main villain of the episode, and there's the whole fight between Clark versus Clark. Um, so you remember it for that reason. But um, interestingly enough, the whole Clark versus Clark thing isn't fully original in the episode, even though it should be. It's Bizarro. But the last time you saw Clark versus Clark, it was just a meteor freak who had the ability to morph into anybody she wished to. This one's more classic and honestly more unique in the long run since Bizarro is more or less Clark's opposite. Meteors heal him, not hurt him. And you meet Kara in this episode, Kara, whatever you want to call her, Supergirl, who saved Lex's life. So it gives him a new lease on life and he decides to turn himself in, reminiscent of Lionel in season 4. Meanwhile, after Chloe dies from, I guess, crying, she wakes up restored, knowing her newfound ability of healing. And by the end of the episode, you discover Lana is indeed alive and well. She faked her death, and you figure out what she does, I think, in the next episode and how she faked her death. Um, yeah, but she's living in Shanghai, which I believe is where uh, Isabel Thoreau resided in which is her ancestor. But uh, it's obviously landmark, like I said before, because of Bizarro, but I guess it's also because you meet Supergirl, which is <laughs> really important. So, uh, yeah. Episode 2 is called Kara. I call this one the one with Supergirl. Obviously, Kara is Supergirl. So in the beginning of this episode, Clark says he's leaving Smallville, like I mentioned before, uh, which means he didn't forget that he has training to do with Jarrell. Uh, so he's telling this to Lois. He says he's going to go up north. He's not actually talking about Jarrell. He's just saying he's going to go up north on a vacation, basically. But while they're walking in the woods, they run into Supergirl's spaceship and ultimately Kara. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not overly clear on the true origins or behavior of Supergirl in the comics. I just know what I've seen on TV and movies. But for the most part, I think she's been seen as a female variation of Clark. This one's a valley girl. <laughs> Her first words on the show were, after punching Clark clear across the woods, and I quote, that's what happens when you touch my stuff. <laughs> so, that's a good idea of what Supergirl looks like. Anyways, meanwhile, steps have been put into motion for Lois to start working at the Daily Planet. Uh, Lex discovers Lana is alive, and they explain how she faked her death. Basically, when Lex was doing the whole 33.1 thing, and he had a whole bunch of clones, one of the clones was actually uh, Lana. But this variation, this clone of Lana was always dead. She was never alive. She didn't have a soul to, to speak of. Lana took this clone and she used that as a body 
in the car that she blew up. And that allowed her to look like she actually was dead uh, when it came down to DNA and, and all that fun stuff. Uh, anyways, uh, Kara does ask why Clark can't fly in this episode, which is very interesting. It's what we've been asking this whole time as well, though Clark can't really answer her. There's no real reason why he can't, because the writers of the show came up with a no flights, no tights rule, and Clark can't exactly say that the writers of the show came up with the rule, so he's like, I don't know. <laughs> so that's episode two. Episode three is called Fierce. I call this one the one with the metahuman Mean Girls beauty pageant. It's, it's a long title, but it's pretty much as accurate as it gets. Um, because Supergirl joins a beauty pageant in this episode. I don't know why. Uh, Smallville has gotten kind of weird at this point because this episode features a Freak of the Week format, and Chloe has absolutely no interest in covering the Freak of the Week. And I get it. I understand why she's taken a size step from Meteor Freaks. In part, she's doing it to protect Clark from any watchful eyes, and partially because she has a newfound respect for Meteor Freaks since she is one. But in another light... That's where her entire passion for writing mostly originated. It's her foundation as a character. It's where she excelled before people put her down about it. You'd think she'd love writing about a completely generic freak of the week that has nothing to do with anyone and is hurting others. And especially because her new editor-in-chief at the Daily Planet likes those kinds of stories now. The new editor, by the way, is the same guy who plays Jimmy Olsen in the Batman v Superman movie. Just fun fact. Meanwhile, Valley Girl Supergirl, like I said, she joins a beauty pageant because she's a Valley Girl. And she falls for Jimmy Olsen. Uh, also, at this ep time, Lana returns to Smallville and starts dating Clark because why not? This is probably one of the reasons why Al Goff, Go, or whatever you say his name, and Miles Miller eventually left the show after the season. Because people were tired of them just bringing Lana back time after time again, because it's not only Clark falling for Lana, it's not just Clark fawning over her, it's apparently Algo and Miles Miller. They really like her character, but they just don't seem to realize that it's bringing Clark down. It's, it, it's stopping him from his destiny. I don't know. That's episode three. Episode 4 is called Cure. I call this one the one with Dean Cain. Dean Cain, of course, played Superman in The uh, Adventures of Lois and Clark, uh, which is the other live-action Superman show that was on the WB for a while. I call uh, this one, like I said, the one with Dean Cain because he plays this um, character called Dr. Curtis Knox, which is the initials CK, which is great. So the idea in this episode is that Dean Cain's Kane plays a controversial doctor who has the ability to cure meteor-affected individuals. But he himself is something of a mystery as well. He's an immortal. He's gone by so many different names, including Jack the Ripper, but his real name is Vandal Savage. If you recall, that was the main villain of DC's Legends of Tomorrow in the first season. I didn't actually remember that much, and which is a really interesting connection indeed. So Lex tries to kill him in cold blood when Savage tries to backstab him. That doesn't, that, that doesn't work at all, obviously, because he's an immortal. 
But let's not forget how cold Lex is in this moment. He just flat out shoots the guy, expecting him to die, expecting to have just murdered a man, and he just walks away. But by the end of the episode, Jimmy dumps Chloe because she's keeping secrets from him that she can't talk about. I mean, sure, hide the fact that she knows Clark's secret, sure. But is it her healing ability really that shameful? She can help people. She's basically a miracle worker and is ashamed of being one. Sigh. Sigh, sigh, sigh. We also see the first glimpse into the most unfortunately named ISIS Foundation. ISIS, man. Something Lana created with the divorce settlement money that she got from Lex, which she uses to spy on Lex and Lionel. Action is episode 5. I call this one the one with the Warrior Angel movie. So throughout the series, they've talked about Warrior Angel, which is essentially a comic book that mirrors Clark's entire origin story and eventual future as Superman. Ryan, that kid, and Lex were big fans. And so this episode, they're adapting it into a movie, which makes sense. Comic book movies. But they're using Clark's farm for some of the movie. Why? I couldn't logically tell you. But during the movie, an attempt is made on the main girl's life, so Clark has to save her because he's Clark. But because he's not exactly the most stealthy person in the world, he's caught by someone on the set of the movie. Maybe Clark should think about a disguise or something. Maybe glasses. Which he should have been wearing for a few years by now. Anyways, (laughs) what's actually important in this episode, just more mysterious Lana. You find out more about what's going on with Lionel, because the last time you see him, it was in the premiere, where he was washed ashore by the exploded dam, and he was kidnapped. Turns out, the crazy woman who kidnapped him was being paid by Lana to keep him captive. She really has a thing against the Luthers, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, anyways, even though she's severed ties, I'd say she's still kind of a Luther in her actions. But, uh, now this is super important. Just interesting. Uh... By the end of the episode, the woman he saved earlier gives Clark a red cape as a gift, which he completely dismisses by the end of the movie, or show rather, but it is what it is. Episode 6 is called Lara. I call this one the one with Clark's Supergirl, Mama. So Clark's biological mother is played by Helen Slater, which was the woman who played Supergirl in one of the worst movies I've ever seen. It's actually the first live-action version of Supergirl ever seen, too. And I believe it's mostly supposed to be seen as a spin-off of the Christopher Reeve movies, so there is that. Anyways, the importance of this episode comes down to Kara being unstealthy while trying to find out where her lost crystal has gone off to. Something she's been looking for uh, for most of the first half of the season. And so when she gets captured, she's forced to relive memories with Laura L. in them. Apparently... Laura, Clark's biological mom, visited Smallville to see where her future son would live. It doesn't exactly say how all these Kryptonians are making day trips, since we also know it takes three years to travel to Earth. And if it only makes them take these day trips, why didn't they just send Clark on a quote-unquote day trip to Earth instead of making him live three years traveling to Earth on a ship. Just a thought. Episode 7 is called Wrath. I call this one the one where Lana gets Clark's powers. Now, for the most part, I would consider this episode memorable because we have Lana's turn in Clark's abilities, basically doing what Eric Summers did earlier in the series. 
It was an incomplete connection though, so Clark still wound up with his powers as well, which helped with the super fight later on in the episode. But this whole cloak and dagger thing Lana has going on with Lex is so bipolar, it's basically two different characters. I mean, I get it. Alter egos and everything makes sense with Smallville, but her alter ego would suggest that one of them isn't truly who Lana is. And the only one that seems more convincing is evil Lana, not innocent. So a few more important things happen in this episode. First of all, Clark learns about the ISIS Foundation through Lionel, and Milton Fine is released. You don't see him at this point, but you know it's him, as it's that black viscous liquid that came off of the Milton Fine ship, something Lex had stored without our knowledge. Also, Kara isn't in this episode for whatever reason. Either is Jimmy. I guess they're on a really long date in this episode, since they're, like, dating at this point. Also, a fun fact, Lex kisses Lana and she reciprocates. Whatever, man, I guess. Love triangle reasons. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, just a fun episode because Lana has his powers, but there's really not much to discuss in this episode other than the fact that Milton Fine shows up in a way. Blue is episode 8. I call this one the one with blue kryptonite. So, this episode is either known as the one with Blue Kryptonite, like I said, or the second one with his biological mom and Zarel. Since they recently showed up a couple episodes ago, I opted for Blue Kryptonite. Uh, that's something more unique to the episode. But Clark uses Kara's Blue Crystal to release his mother into the real world, but that also releases Zarel. The Blue Kryptonite itself strips Clark from his powers and comes in the form of a ring, just like the Red Kryptonite. But unlike the Red Kryptonite, Apparently, Clark just can't take off the ring. It's apparently way too tight. Uh, and he's out of butter, apparently, because he's trying to use farm equipment to break off the ring. You never once see him try to use soap or butter or whatever. He tries to use dangerous weapons while he's completely vulnerable to take off the ring. Uh, by the way, this marks the episode as the traditional seasonal episode where Clark loses his abilities that happens in every year. By the end of the episode, Clark destroys the original Blue Crystal, apparently sending Kara to Detroit, randomly, having her lose her memory in the process. And by the end of the episode, you find the truth out that the new editor of the Daily Planet is not Grant Gabriel at all. He's Julian Luther, another clone that Lex created in level 33.1. Episode 9 is called Gemini. I call this one, okay, here we go, the one with the bomb threat that helps Julian Luther discover he's a clone. This episode as a whole was pretty mediocre at best and mostly forgettable. It rehashes old ideas as a whole, except maybe focusing on a different character. So in this episode, we have a bad guy that claims to be a failed experiment at level 33.1 and wants to prove it exists. We first saw this idea with Jitters in Season 1, but that was level 33. Uh, and then we saw the same thing happen last season in Static with 33.1. But we get it. I don't think anyone at this point thinks level 33.1 doesn't exist. Sure, maybe Lois, and maybe her keen investigative reporting could blow the lid open on the whole thing, but even so, the audience just doesn't care at this point anymore. The majority of 33.1 and its importance is mostly already seen at this point. Uh, it was a nice twist, though, finding out Clark wasn't Clark this whole time, but instead Bizarro wreaking more havoc, because you see, Clark is frozen in the Fortress of Solitude because he defied Jarrell. He's basically in timeout. 
Also, if you care, Chloe revealed the truth about her being a meteor freak to Jimmy, and Lex Luthor buys the Daily Planet. Fun. Episode 10 is called Persona. I call this one the one where Clark is really bizarro. So Bizarro tracks down Brainiac to help him discover a cure of sorts to minimize the effects the sun has against him, which because the sun is his weakness, so he can remain in Clark's body. Brainiac tells him that there's another Kryptonian, a scientist, around there that can figure something out. So it becomes a cat and mouse game. When Clark comes back to Smallville, he, Brainiac, and Bizarro are all looking for this dude, this Kryptonian scientist dude, and uh, a beacon he has. And they all want this beacon for their own reasons. Clark finds the scientist first and needs his help finding Blue Kryptonite to defeat Bizarro. Brainiac found him next. Turns out it's the scientist that created him in, at, in Krypton. He, he needs the information in his mind to repair himself, which he takes by force. Uh, meanwhile, Julian and Lionel have dinner together, and Lex has Julian killed for turning from him and going to Lionel. This is another instance where a hitman kills somebody. And it's an example of killing somebody in his own family. Yes, it's a clone. Yes, it's a hitman. But again, Lex is being freaking evil this season. Episode 11 is called Siren. I call this one the one with Black Canary. Now, while you would probably have a hard time distinguishing it, this is a landmark episode like I mentioned before. It introduces you to Black Canary. I wouldn't really call her a huge Justice League character, but she does show up throughout the series until it's done, so in a way it is landmark, just not by much. That being said, the Black Canary is much more relevant and important to current DCCW shows. The Green Arrow is back in town this episode. Not a series regular yet, just back for an episode. And now Lois knows he's the Green Arrow, and he's actually having some hand-to-hand combat with Lex, which is really, really cool to see. The style of fighting is a little different than an Arrow, and a little bit more like the Matrix, but it's still nice to see. That's one of my favorite things about the Arrow show, showing that the Arrow is more than just a guy with a good aim. He can fight, and that's what happens in this episode. Episode 12 is called Fractured. I call this one the one with Lex's inception. So this is the episode where Lex literally gets shot in the head between the eyes and lands in a coma. Look, the only way you don't wind up dead with a shot between the eyes is if the bullet was a BB. I get that Lex has some kind of unnatural way of escaping death, but this is just silly. Anyways, to identify why Lex was in Detroit and got shot in the first place, Clark agrees to do an experiment. Go inside Lex's mind. Inside, he finds out that Lex figured out where Kara was when she went missing. Here's here's the word Veritas for the first time. And sees the internal struggle between good Lex, played by Lex as a kid, and, and bad Lex, played by Michael Rosenbaum. It's a similar struggle for when Lex was split into two with Black Kryptonite, since the good Lex was actually Alexander in both occasions. And in the end, Chloe revives Lex with her super healing, and Clark goes to Detroit to rescue Lois and Kara. Hero is episode 13. I call this one the one with the super gum and and Pete. See, this episode had such a notoriously bad idea that it's actually memorable with how bad it is. Which is such a disappointment because they thought this was the perfect episode for Pete to make a special guest appearance back in the show with. It's all one big product placement commercial for Stride Gum, for one, and two, who would make gum with kryptonite 
and why, and three, who cares about super gum? It also goes against the entire idea of what kryptonite does as a whole, which should be exaggerates the infected individual's behaviors. This just turned the individual into the variation of kryptonite, gum. It's just really, really dumb as a whole. And they even said Pete was Elastic Man in this episode, which was so stupid. I just... If you're going to bring back Pete, bring him back in a good episode. Not one of the worst episodes in the series as a whole. It's just... It was a bad idea all around. Episode 14 is called Traveler. I call this one the one where Clark is kidnapped by Lionel. This episode has us learning a little bit more about Veritas, which was more or less a secret society put together by Virgil Swan, the Teagues, the Queens, and Lionel to help welcome the Traveler, who was clearly Clark, but everyone but Lionel has died, and Swan's daughter accuses Lionel of being responsible. Now, this episode is kind of confusing. Lionel built this cage to, came, to contain Clark when he found out his secret. That much makes sense. Then he uses it to get the upper hand on Virgil Swan's daughter. First of all, there was no other way to gain an upper hand on her without revealing his secret to Swan's daughter and a previous level 33.1 guard, a dangerous guard at that. Really? I mean, that's super sloppy thinking, Lionel. Really, really sloppy. But by the end of the episode, Patricia Swan is murdered and not by Lionel. This was actually by Lex. So, another hit by Lex. Episode 15 is called Veritas. I call this one the one where Clark doesn't fly. So, this episode we more or less get the answers to some remaining questions revolving, well, Veritas. Through various flashbacks of Lex's past, where he's eavesdropping on the secret meetings between his father, the Queens, the Teagues, and Virgil Swan. The most important element this episode has is more or less a confirmation of Lionel's role in everyone's death. And it ends with Lionel and Lex flying in a helicopter to Smallville, a.k.a. the pilot episode. I guess it's also important to note that Veritas didn't just know about the Traveler and keep his secret, but they also know the secret to how to control him. That's eventually what Lex will go after in the season, that secret. The most frustrating element, on the other hand, comes down to Clark needing to learn a new ability, flight, which would be great if Clark wasn't such a fuddy-dud about the whole ordeal. He's all like, I'm not ready. I'm like, you idiot. You've basically flown in every stinking season, including the first and even including this season. Even if it was out of your control, it proves you have the ability. Anyway, he needs to learn it in order to deal with Brainiac, who can fly, uh, but when he doesn't even really try, he basically forces Supergirl to do the work for him, and Brainiac and Supergirl fly off into the cosmos. Poor Clark has to deal with the fact that Brainiac turned Lana into a vegetative creature. I, of course, have the foresight at this point to say it doesn't last, but at this point in the show, you kind of can tell the writers are struggling to find a good out for Lana. Personally, I think she should have left off in Paris, but her return was met with a downfall as a strong independent character, so now they have to find something else, which means you're going to see a few red herrings, like when she died, and when she moved to Shanghai, and now being a really big paperweight. They, they'll get there some way, though, uh, I, I promise. Descent is episode 16. I call this one the one where Lex kills Lionel. Now, I've been talking about Smallville's focus on Lex Luthor's overall descent in the show for a while now. 
They have focused a lot on Lex's friendliness and trustworthiness in the first few seasons, and he slowly and obsessively crept into douche territory. Last season, he killed someone instinctively uh, and in the heat of the moment without planning. This season, he had a few moments where he planned and carried out murder, but in a way was still a teensy-weensy bit redeemable because he killed people uh, and it was all business-related murders, and they weren't carried out directly by Lex. They didn't mean a lot to him. This episode starts off with Lex's murder of his own father by his own hands to find out the secret of the Traveler. This episode features a lot of internal conflicts, once more between Lex and his internal younger self, Alexander, as seen in Fractured. In Fractured, Clark made Alexander promise to never stop fighting, which in a way was exactly what was happening in this episode, ending in the eventual murder of Alexander by dragging him to the fireplace and burning him. I'm telling you, this episode's nuts. And a perfect presentation on how Lex Luthor is the exact incarnation of evil. I just wish he was more of this uh, and in more seasons than just this episode. Or this season, rather. Things are just getting started with Lex. Why, didn't, why did they have to make him leave the show? This is his last season. He doesn't show up again until the series finale. It's just nuts. The end of this episode has Clark spreading the dirt over Lionel's coffin, something he's done a few times throughout the series, including with Jonathan and Whitney. I think Whitney. Uh, this season has Clark and Lex face off against each other with a sort of knowing that they, at this point, are truly enemies. Episode 17 is called Sleeper. I call this one the one with Olsen. James Olsen, or maybe the one with Double Olsen 7. Man, Jimmy has some weird Jimmy-centric episodes. Also, a weird episode to follow Descent. There's not too much to discuss when it comes to this episode. You have a seemingly government agent that hires Jimmy to spy on Chloe. It doesn't make a lot of sense why they would pick Jimmy, nor why he'd really agree to do it, no matter how much they try to explain it away. The only real importance the episode has to offer is simply put... Clark trying to find Kara and Brainiac. His reasonings has to do with Lana, but that's pretty much it. I guess the end also had Lex opening that Veritas box that held a mysterious star mapping looking device that when compiled directs him to his next clue. Also in the episode, Kara contacts Clark through the fortress from Krypton. In the past, dun dun dun, Clark must find a way to get to Krypton to save baby Kal-El from dying. Episode 18 is called Apocalypse. I call this one the one with a wonderful life. Oh yes, another special episode based on a classic film. This time Clark claims life in Smallville would be just better off if he never existed to begin with. So he's basically just planning for Brainiac to kill his baby self on Krypton. So Jarrell shows him what life would be like if he never came to Smallville. Great in theory, but we're in season 7 now. Every main character on the show has had their life threatened at one time or another. This version of the present where everyone is currently alive and well doesn't make a lot of logical sense. They should technically all be dead. Uh, but once again, we see Lex as president. He still hangs out at the Luther Mansion in Smallville for absolutely no logical reason. The image of him in his classic white suit and single black glove shows up again. And Smallville has never explained the glove, but the idea behind it in the comics is because he was exposed to kryptonite for too long, wearing a kryptonite ring to use against Superman. So again, the glove doesn't make a lot of sense, because Superman doesn't exist in this reality. 
Let's forget about logistics for a moment here, because when you stop looking at the glaring plot holes in this episode, and there's quite a few, and accept it for being a special episode, it's just fun. Sheriff Adams is alive, Kara works for the government, and Lex basically taking Clark's place as Lex's friend, and even though she stayed loyal to Lex, he still turned dark. That's important to note. Lois and Clark have a flirty moment. Milton Fine is the chief of staff. Clark dons the suit tie um, to stop Milton Fine. But Fine and Lex are working together to send nukes out and end the world to keep the best and brightest alive. Very John- James Bond villain-like. They once again use the nuke shot from Terminator 3, seen before on the show. By the end of the episode, Clark heads to Krypton, I guess. Jarrell helps him out there, but Clark and Kara defeat Brainiac, or they think they do, and Kara kills him, or she thinks she does, and together they make sure baby Clark gets on the ship and is sent to Earth like it should happen. The entire sequence was a waste of potential, though. He goes to Krypton, and Krypton is basically just the Fortress of Solitude, and where's Jarrell? Where's Laura L? Where's anybody? The inclusion of Krypton should be a more like a two-part finale than what's seen here, but it's so mispotential. Anyways, the last scene in the episode, Kara has been seen has a searing headache, and you're left thinking one thing: Brainiac isn't dead quite yet. Dun dun dun. Episode 19 is called Quest. I call this one the one with Edward Teague. So this episode basically states that neither Lionel or Lex really succeeded in finishing off all the members of Veritas. One remained, Edward Teague, who has been hiding out in a church this whole time. In the same church is a clock that Lex finds, which he places the star mapping looking device he got before inside, turning the clock into a music box and producing a black key in the shape of a Superman symbol. Meanwhile, Chloe and Lex show up at the church nearly at the same time. Lex starts battling Edward Teague, and Chloe saves Clark, allowing him to stop Lex from killing Edward Teague. Fun afterthought, though. How come Clark and Chloe went directly to the sanctuary, and Lex went directly to the hallway with a clock? If he had went to the sanctuary, like the others, he would have immediately seen Clark laying on the altar and known him to be the Traveler. Not yet, boys and girls. We have to wait for that. In an early episode long ago, when talking about Naman and Sagith, Lex asks Clark if Sagith is really the hero of the story. And they brought back that idea in this episode. Jimmy has been investigating the symbol marks on Lex's chest and discovered the history of the hieroglyphics found in Smallville, especially with the caves. And he discovered Naman and Sagith wrote a story about it, and sold it to Lex. So now Lex believes himself to be truly, to be Sagith, the hero of the story. And the black key he found in the church connected to a device he found in the Luther Mansion, which was a map to the Fortress of Solitude. Episode 20 is called Arctic. I call this one the last one with the Fortress of Solitude. So the big culmination of Season 7 comes down to this. Comes down to Lex's journey to discover the truth about Veritas and the Traveler. Kara, as Brainiac, comes forward and reveals herself and Clark to Lex and vows to help him on his journey to destroy him. Chloe's aware that there's something going on and something's wrong with Kara and finds out she's really Brainiac. So Brainiac attacks her, but her with her meteor freak ability of healing or whatever the heck she is, drains him of his power. 
but his attack on her shows Clark that Brainiac is definitely back because she goes into a comatose state like Lana. You find out the real Kara is actually in the Phantom Zone. Clark fights and defeats Brainiac, which releases Lana and Chloe from Brainiac's comatose grip. Lana leaves. Again. No, she's not gone forever. She's just done as a series regular. Good. Anyways, Jimmy proposes to Chloe, but before she can say yes, she's arrested by Homeland Security because... Probably because Jimmy said he wouldn't agree to spy for Lex anymore. And Lex finally makes it to the Fortress of Solitude, planning to control Clark. He places the orb he found in the Luther Mansion in the fortress, and the fortress collapses on Lex and Clark, and that's how it ends. In general, I would say it's an okay finale, but it feels more like a penultimate episode, where the actual epicness was going to happen in episode 21 that doesn't exist. It just has a lot of missed potential. Lex finally learns Clark's secret and gets to the Fortress of Solitude in the last five minutes. He has a discussion with Clark about never trusting him and there's he's there to fulfill his destiny and they don't even fight. Clark isn't controlled like they've been alluding to for the most of the season and nothing actually happens in this episode but present more questions, most of which aren't really answered because this was the last episode featuring Lex. I mean, not entirely. He shows up in a similar fashion in the finale of Season 10, something like the last five minutes again. Uh, But again, no fighting. I just imagined so much more when it came to their stance as ultimate foes than what we got. But anywho, that's it. That's Season 7 in a nutshell. Not a bad season. I would say it's getting closer to being memorable again, especially since Alfred Goh and Miles Miller are also leaving the show, helping Clark get further to his destiny. Woo! Uh, uh, anyways, so as much as I love Lex and wish he stayed on longer, him, Lana, and the show's creators leaving helped give the show a nudge to help it get further where it's needed to be. Season 8 and further, you'll see what I'm talking about. Also important to note, this was a short season, 20 episodes instead of 22. It was supposed to be shorter because this season came out during the writer's strike, um, that might explain why there isn't much more Lex being evil against Clark, but it is what it is. Um, so join me next week when we discuss Season 8 of Smallville. And remember, subscribe, like it, review it, tell your friends about it uh, in general, because the next show I talk about might be your favorite. So have a good week, guys. Peace out. Thank you for listening to the Smaller on the Outside, the first, the best, and the only Smallville podcast that you just can't miss. To learn more about the podcast or to listen to older episodes of the podcast, head over to sotocast.weebly.com.